Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Turn four and back to the start-finish line. You can see it now. The legacy continues. Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins the 46th Daytona 500. Wow, 20 years ago today. Smoke and I were just talking about that during the break. 20 years ago to the day. That was the call, NBC Sports, Alan Bestwick, alongside Benny Parsons, Wally Dollenbach. That was Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s win at the Daytona 500, six years to the day after his father's only win at the Great American Race. Of course, Junior had won there previously in July of 2001. Uh, that wasn't the Daytona 500, though. Hard to believe, nearly impossible for my brain to comprehend. That it has been 20 years to the day since that call from Alan Bestwick, Wally Dollenbach, and Benny Parsons. Yep, and I remember going to my room crying because Tony Stewart finished second. <laughs> that was close as Tony ever got to winning uh, a damn thing. Of course you did. <laughs> remember, this was like two weeks after I went to bed crying after the Panthers lost Super Bowl 38. So uh, February 2004, not a good month for smoke. Of course you did. That is fantastic. All right, uh, Daytona's coming up on Sunday, kids. It is that time of year. Daytona is back, which means spring is just around the corner. Warm weather, the NASCAR season, baseball, sweaty afternoon, Sunday naps, and all that good stuff. Let's bring in a man who is uh, not just a part of NASCAR's fabric and its history, but it was also announced a couple of weeks ago that Doug Rice, president anchor of Performance Racing Network, will be retiring after a much-deserved victory lap coming up here in 2024. It will be his final year in the booth calling NASCAR races full-time anyway, and he's got a special thing happening on Sunday at the Daytona 500. Now, keep in mind, uh, Daytona 500 is an MRN race, not a PRN race, but, you know, these racing guys stick together, and it sounds like Doug Rice is doing a pretty cool thing on Sunday. I will let him tell you all about it. The great, nay, the iconic Doug Rice back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Doug, how are you, buddy? Uh, Kyle, I'm doing super. Tell Smoke there's no crying in racing. So as he seemed to really verklempt about a lot of things went on a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, you got to stop crying so much, Smoke. Yeah, then again, Tony won three championships and Junior never won any. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you might have you, you gotten a good end of this pick there. <laughs> uh, D2 Kicker just said, I did cry after the Super Bowl, but damn, Smoke just needs to keep some stuff to himself. I love it, though. All right, um, Doug, it's good to have you. Let's just start with the obvious, man. You are... You're retiring at the end of the year. Um, I don't know that you fully appreciate how many race fans on our show express how much they love your weekly segments, how much they love you, and in the last couple of weeks, how much they're going to miss you. I know you still love the job, Doug, so why are you retiring? I, I do love the job, but Kyle, I want to find out what the world's like with not having to balance the NASCAR schedule every year. And... I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. There's a lot of opportunities in the universe. I've done this for 36 years. So I kind of want to see what life is like, maybe doing something slightly different. I respect that. I, I do. I, I, you and I have talked about this off the air already, but, you know, I, I respect that. Um, what about Sunday? You've called a lot of races, but not everywhere. What's happening Sunday? No, I have never called a race here at the Daytona International Speedway. Because that's an MRN track. Uh, their headquarters used to be right here in the infield. So they are going to allow me to come up to the booth and join their anchor team and call a handful of laps the Daytona 500 on Sunday. So that, that checks. If you're in this business, 
that checks a really big box that that I'm going to get to do, and I'm 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 pretty geeked about it. I think I'm supposed to go on like around lap twenty and do fifteen or twenty laps of play by play call, and that'll that's that's all I need. That'll that'll complete the whole set. So I will have done uh, the Daytona five hundred, the Coke six hundred, and the Indianapolis five hundred. So uh, I, I feel pretty good about that. I'm really stoked and very appreciative of them giving me that opportunity. I, I have no doubt, man. I, I really don't. Now, we, we got a lot more to talk about here, but I do want to quick get your quick reaction to what we just played there coming back from break. 20 years ago today, Doug. Can you believe it's been 20 years since Junior won that race? You know, when you played that, I was thinking, in my mind, my math was like, okay, that was 10 years ago. But, no, that's that's two decades ago that Junior was down here, and, you know, the ground is still shaking from the fans after a Junior win. I mean, he he created a tsunami in this sport. When he took the lead, man, you knew it. You didn't have to know who was leading. You could just hear the crowd erupt whenever that guy got close to the front. Well, Doug, this is Smoke here. And the guy who was uh, the pole sitter for this upcoming Daytona 500, Joey Logano, he was just a teenager when that event happened. I mean, you know, he, the Fords have had a lot of speed in Daytona over the last five to ten years. But it seems like last night, even with their new body, they were able to get off to a hot start, and they already feel like the cars and the team and the manufacturer to beat at Daytona now, this weekend. Now, the front row is going to be all four. It's um, Michael McDowell and, of course, uh, Joey Logano, who just came out here in a brand-new Ford. It's called the Dark Horse Ford. It's got a, it looks a lot alike, but there's some subtle changes in it. And I think they're going to be uh, – Joey Logano, who I picked on every show that I've done to win the thing, that was even before he won the poll, so – I think he's going to be tough to beat. He's won this race before. He won it back in 2015. He'll be he'll be a factor. There's about five drivers at these type of racetracks that always run up front. He's one of them. Brian Blaney is one of the other ones. Denny Hamlin. Those three guys are always going to be near the front of the pack. Doug, we, we saw Ricky Stenhouse Jr. win there last year. Uh, 200 laps wasn't enough, so they, they went to 12 extra laps. And finally, after another caution, they had to call the dang thing. Uh, it's not uncommon at all for Daytona to come down to the waning laps. Are you expecting the same thing this weekend? Oh, absolutely. I will be shocked if it's not nose-to-tail or side-by-side coming back to the line on lap 200 here Sunday. It, I, I, that's the way this type of racing comes about now. It used to be restricted plates, but it's, the same, it's pack racing. They're going to be tied together. Coming back to the finish, that's such a big part of this race, Kyle, is just surviving. Just get to the end. Because half the field will be gone by the time they get to lap 200. They'll have a couple of big wrecks. It'll take out seven or eight cars, and there'll be maybe 15 cars on the lead lap at the end of the race. That's a, that's a broad generalization, but I'm, I'm thinking I, I would take that to the bank. Doug, I mean, you talk about how surviving the Daytona 500 is a massive deal, but even making it is a big deal, especially if you're a big name like Jimmy Johnson, who didn't get himself automatically an automatic bid to start the Daytona 500 on his qualifying time. Uh, what's your nerve levels for Jimmy Johnson to possibly miss this Daytona 500, which is a massive deal? Well, you've got to get through this qualifying race tonight. You've got to make it through this qualifying race. No other race has this sort of procedure to get in the show. So he's got to get through that, survive, and then maybe he's got a shot of getting into the 500. He only has to beat two other at-large cars 
I think they'll have a good enough ride for him, and Jimmy's a good enough driver. I believe he'll get in. I don't know if he's going to be a factor on Sunday, but I do think he'll make it into the show. Doug, what do you think is going to be um, – and I'm asking you to kind of read the future here a little bit, but you've got your finger on the pulse. What are one of the cooler storylines you think are going to emerge this year in NASCAR? Um, I, th- I think it's going to be interesting to see if Penske comes back out ahead again. They've won two championships in a row, Joey Logano and then Ryan Blaney. Uh, they've got a third car in Austin Cindric. He hasn't done much, but I, I'm curious to see if those guys can maintain the edge that they've had. And a, another huge story is the fan favorite of Chase Elliott. You know, Chase missed seven races last year. One, uh, one because he got suspended, six because he had broken his leg. So can he come back? Can he show the form that he had before? I think that's a huge storyline. Can Chase Elliott get back to winning four? Hey, Doug, let me go back to kind of the beginning of this conversation. I was just thinking about something. Um, Yours is a long, decorated career, um, Hall of Fame career, as far as I'm concerned, in broadcasting. Do you remember the the moment you found out that you were getting the microphone to call these races? Do you recall the moment they told you, Doug, you're on the call from here on out? It was was early in 1992, and I, I was already working for PRN, and then some people moved around, and that slot came open, and I got placed in there. I'd done a lot of other racing before, but, you know, when you move up to the bigs, and there's nothing bigger than working for PRN or MRN in this industry, uh, that, that's a that's a game changer for you, man. And, I, and you know, that had to take me out with a crowbar. I'm taking myself out, but, you know, I've, I've loved it. I've had it. It's been almost like vacation for me. Once you get to the racetrack, and you guys know this, and you put the headset on and you start calling the game or the, or the race or whatever it is, that's, that's your juice. You know, what is that old saying? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Yes, for me, this has been a, a great experiment. I guess it's not an experiment after three decades, is it? No, no, it's not. <laughs> well, well, Doug, you were talking about some of the main guys you're looking at for this year. Who's some of the guys that are under the radar that you think that could potentially break out in 2024, not only just w- this weekend? Breakout for the year. Um, I, I think there's somebody maybe at Stuart Haas Racing, which has been dreadful. Uh, maybe a Josh Berry. He's a, he will be a cup rookie this year. He might have a shot at making some noise. Somebody from Stuart Haas in those Fords has got to step up. Tony threw a tantrum the other day talking about where where this is not acceptable. We're not doing well. Well, you got to put some you got to put some muscle behind that. So I think somebody at Stuart Hawks has a chance if they just win a race or two. They've already beaten what they've done the last couple of years. Hey uh, Doug, I did get somebody our, our listener, the Bagel guy. He said, uh, "Hey Doug, would love to see you call an F1 race and you can see the whole world in retirement. Could you call an F1 race right now if you were asked to?" Well, I mean, you only got to talk about Max Verstappen. <laughs> you, talk, you talk about one guy, he'll win the pole, he'll lead every lap. So, yeah, I could do that. Let me tell you something. That just got smoke out of his seat. He loved that one. Oh, he loved that one. That's great. Doug Rice, pre- pre- president anchor, Performance Racing Network. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And even though he is retiring at season's end, he will be with us each and every week here on the show. And uh, we are very grateful for that. Doug, thank you, brother. Enjoy Daytona. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you all very much. I appreciate the time I get with you each week, by the way. Thank Thanks you. so much. Uh, we look forward to it. Thank you. Doug Rice with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline.
704-570-9610. David, not a Duke fan, says, I used to run the board on a station for Doug and PRN years ago. He's the best. I'm just telling you, there's not a nicer, there's not a better human in the broadcasting business. There are a lot of good ones. Like like every other industry, there are a lot of bad ones, too. Um, But Doug is one of those good ones that he's not going anywhere. You know, we'll still have Doug around, God willing, but... I, I like what he said there. Like Doug and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Full disclosure, he told me about this about two or three days before the news broke, before the press release came out, that he was retiring, that Atlanta had asked him to to be the Grand Marshal, that he was doing this with MRN. So, you know, I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And we're not losing Doug from the earth, right? But, you know, we're going to miss a giant in the, uh, the auto sports broadcasting industry. And so. a lot a lot of, like, MRN, I mean, for example, Barney Hall, who, God rest his soul, he was at MRN for 50 years. So a lot of these guys that are really good at these jobs that have been calling races, they stick with these jobs for a while. So when you lose someone like Doug and not doing it full time, it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal for one of these. I mean, Mike Joy, I've, I can't count the amount of Daytona 500s he's working and he's only adding on to that this year with Fox. So just shows you how big some of these broadcasters are, especially in NASCAR. 704 Uh K-Town Steve sent me a text and he says, uh, I understand you're not going to reply to this on the air, but how can we not talk about the sacrifice Dale Sr. made to clear the path for Dale Jr. to, to win his first Daytona 500? What? And he, I, I got so confused when he sent it. But I, I think he's talking about the story that Earnhardt was when he crashed and when he died in, Day, in Daytona, that he was blocking, trying to block Sterling Marlin from catching Junior and, and, and Waltrip. Yeah, and Waltrip was in the lead, though. Right. Um, those guys were 1-2 coming around the final turn. But I, I don't know what one has to do with the other when we played the win in 2004. Yeah. That's all. That's all, that's all I mean, Steve. Plus, he was mirror driving. He, did, he didn't know what was going to happen. He was mirror driving. Sure. Yeah, that's why I read it. I was like, am I missing something here? 704-570-9610. Tar Heel Rex says, what's the normal time slot for Doug on WFNZ? Uh, The last couple of years, it's been on Fridays, anywhere from 340 to 420. We're still trying to figure that out this year, um, but it will likely be Friday, possibly Thursday. But we talk to Doug near the end of every week to preview the race. Just this week is special. Yes. Um, (laughs) Complainer in chief. Trolling. Turn left. Turn left. Can we talk about sports instead of talking about cars turning left? Also, I don't blame Doug for wanting to see what life is like without Turn Left USA because God knows it's boring. You know what? Do you have to come spoil the segment? I was going to say, he called the Rover race last year. That's when you turn left and right. Boom. Roasted. Complainer in chief. And it's oval. Yeah. What he said. Didn't you learn that that in class? Didn't you learn that in class, buddy? Like Smoke said. At 200 miles an hour, 33-degree banking, yeah, you tell me it's not a sport, buddy, when you lose 10 pounds of body weight per race. Take that! We're going to talk some Panther football when we come back. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. What's up? It's Walker Mail. Join Weston Walker from 12 to 3. The Panther position preview continues. This time we're talking defensive tackles. All on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Rachel hits me up on the FanDuel text line. She wants to make Smoke feel better for uh, crying about the 2004 Daytona 500, won by Dale Jr. and uh, Tony Stewart, his namesake, Smoke, finishing second. Rachel says, Smoke, if it makes you feel any better, I had the Winston Cup kick in the asphalt CD and would cry during Drivers in Heaven, LOL. So she, Rachel's trying to make you feel better. That makes crying. me feel better, and I guess people forgot. I, I, I probably need to tell how old I was when that happened. You were, hold on, let me get, carry the... To you were six. Exactly. That's what I thought. Six years old. Yeah. Crying because Tony Stewart didn't win the race. Yeah. At six. Yeah. I think that's pretty reasonable. It's not. Um, I don't hate you for it. It makes you who you are, but yeah. most six-year-olds aren't crying over the, the you know, second-place finish in the Daytona 500. You realize that, right? I don't want you to feel bad. I, pe- unique people are unique. That's a good thing. But like most people at six years old aren't shedding tears over a second place finish in the Daytona 500. Yeah, just, okay. I just asking. All right. All hey, right. At least it didn't catch me on camera like that crying Duke kid around the same time. <laughs> Remember that one? That, that it always gets shown up whenever I, Duke loses a game. We will never forget that kid. No one will ever forget that kid. I wonder what he's up to now. Wow. 704-570-9610. AJ says, Smoke, you better be sliding into Rachel on the text line. She's married with children. Let's chill on that, okay? Jeez, man. I, I know Rachel. Come on, AJ. Stop with the innuendo there. Uh, Rachel's happily married with children. It's not that kind of situation. No. It's not that kind of situation. Why are you reacting like that? Like you don't like women? No, like, no. It's just like, no, Rachel's married with kids. And, oh, sorry. I just, no, Rachel's awesome. But I'm not going to ruin a marriage because she defended me. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think of like the most heartbreaking, soul-crushing sports loss that made me cry as it was, a kid. I mean, it was you, Mike Piazza. No, right? you know the yeah, that's the infamous story as a baseball fan growing up. When Mike Piazza got traded, I called Dad like a blubbering mess at 11 years old. Like, what are we gonna do? Oh, now? you were 11, huh? I think so. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I think so. That, that's five years older than six, no, no. right? My my favorite player was traded. I didn't understand. Your guy finished second in a NASCAR race. At six, I was 11. But it's the biggest race, and I come to find out, that's as about as close as he got, even though he had better cars than the 04 car. That 07 car. Oh, my God. And then, oh, wait, he had, he just, he didn't block Ryan Newman on the backstretch. No, oh. I was. <laughs> oh, he was so close so many times. No, I was 12. I lied. I was 12. Oh, even though. Oh. I was, I was I was an adult, basically, compared to you. Hey, guess what? I'm a big Red Sox fan. When I found out that they traded Manny Ramirez when I was in Camp Tacoa, I didn't cry, but I'm like, no, oh, that sucks. Guess how old I was. 10. Okay. Yeah. All right. Three, three, bit. three, three, six numbers as I cried over a Braves playoff loss. I was five or six. Understandable. Crying over baseball is different than crying over NASCAR. Let's be real. Let's be real. It just is. It's, it's different, bro. Come on. We have to agree on that. Jack says Super Bowl 38 made him cry. And the Panthers lost to the Cardinals in the divisional round. Oh, smoke references that game a lot. A whole lot. That's the worst loss in franchise history. I don't care what you say. Even worse than Super Bowl 50. 
see that I, does anybody agree with him on that? Have we talked about this on the air before? I don't think we really have. Colin defends me on this because Colin agrees with me. Well, you you and Colin are cut from the same cloth, all right? So your your argument is that loss to the Cardinals in the NFC title game. What was it? How many picks did DeLone throw? Five. Five, that's right. That was worse than losing in the Super Bowl in 2015? Yes. Because we already knew that Jerry was getting ready for the lockout. So he wasn't going to be spending any money outside of spending Jake alone $45 million uh, after that game. And it felt like the best shot. Like up to that point, it felt like the best shot, a better shot than 20 uh, until 2015. And you were at home and you literally watched the quarterback. The only quarterback that I've known, essentially, it was like watching a human version of O Yeller, except for a football oh, yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That part's actually at least with, no, Cam, no, no, like no. with Cam. It's like, oh, well, you just won MVP. Oh, you know, it's going to be fine, you know? It, we knew at that point, oh, crap, Jake might be a problem. And then the next game to follow that up was the season opener against the Eagles when he threw for four picks. Mm. It was like watching Old Yeller. I get that. In a sports, from a sports perspective, I do. I get and that. And if you remember how the game started, at least with the Panthers in Super Bowl 50, you always felt like you were kind of fighting from behind. Go back and watch that first drive in the divisional game. They ran it down the Cardinals' throat. And we thought, oh, we beat them once we came back down from like 16 in the regular season. We just scored it down their throats. We're going to win this game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a former member of the Carolina Panthers organization who, who wishes to remain nameless, who loves you, but just texted me on my cell phone and said, no bleeping way, no bleeping way. That's an insane statement. Don't tell smoke. I said this, but good God, tell smoke. No. So I, oh, okay, well, hang on, hang on. I'm going to double down here. I'm going to double down here. Ooh. The Super Bowl 50 loss wasn't even the worst loss to the Broncos because that was the next game against the Broncos in week one, the head hunting game. Okay. Because you think, oh, well, they don't have Peyton Manning. Trevor Simeon. Ooh, who's Trevor Simeon? No one had an idea. Felt like you're going to win that game. They were going to get that game-winning drive. Then the head hunting, offsetting penalties, even though a guy just had his head just caved in by, you know, Von Miller. <laughs> And then lose the game. By the way, why are we playing the defending champs after they won the Super Bowl against us? Huh? Huh? So honestly, here's the three worst losses. Here's here's the four worst losses in Panthers history, in my opinion. Number one, the divisional loss to the Cardinals. Number two, the headhunting game week one, 2016. Number three, Super Bowl 50. And then number four, Christmas Eve against Dallas Cowboys in 2005 when Julius Peppers or Ken Lucas tipped the ball, you dumb refs. That's why he could run into the kicker, because they tipped the ball. That cost Carolina the division. You all right over there? Yeah. You okay? Yeah. I, I want to let you get it out to exercise the demons, but as long as you're good, you're good, right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Somebody said this is a great rant. Also, people are assuming that it was Roman Harper that texted me that. When I said a former member, it ain't Roman Harper. He doesn't work for the organization. Well, not only that, he wasn't around. He wasn't a Panther anywhere close to that he time period. He was a period. saint. Guess he was on that coaching staff. And I love that people same. assume that it's Roman, though. I do. And by the way, for the fans of the podcast, we are recording tomorrow at noon. So, uh, you know, after three weeks off post birth of my third child, Roman and I reconvene tomorrow. We're supposed to have Triple J, 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 Jansen on the show sometime soon. Not tomorrow, but soon. 704-570-9610. What, I, since we're doing it and the text line's really starting to hum right now. What, what is the moment in sports that just ruined you? I mean, it just ruined you. 704-570-9610. I will say, this is going to sound, you know what? I will join you in stupidity. Or, that's not nice. I will give you Thanks. my own example. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I will give you my own example of a game that people will probably consider an overreaction. It's slightly different. 
All right, you ready? January 3rd, 2012, Sugar Bowl, Michigan, Virginia Tech. I'm a 26-year-old man, mind you. All right, I'm 26. It's not that I was sobbing. I I didn't cry necessarily. I didn't cry over a loss. But Danny Cole caught the damn ball. And after watching Virginia Tech manhandle Michigan, be the better team for four quarters to lose that way, that that was sort of a, um, what would you say, it was a crossroads moment for me where I had to step back and realize, oh, I probably care a little bit too much about Virginia <laughs> Tech football because it ruined my entire week. It, it ruined my entire week. I, I made up a fake profile on Michigan message boards. Oh, my gosh. And like was during the week was bored, and I was trolling the hell out of Michigan fans on under a fake pseudonym, under a fake alias. Um, I mean, I drank heavily like five times that week. I, I mean, I, but it was like a crossroads moment for me where I was like, I can't care this much about Virginia Tech football anymore, or I, I at least have to draw the line. That was it for me. Does it sting a little bit more? Because is that the last time they made a BCS uh, bowl game? Thanks, Smoke. Thanks, Smoke. Um, I just, I don't want to talk about these things with you. I mean, well, to be fair, 2012 was not fun for me <laughs> because that was the same year Duke Lehigh happened, so... <laughs> I'm in, I'm in a similar boat. Okay. Uh, Biscuits and Gravy Dan, noted Raiders fan, said it was the tuck rule for him. That's the Ooh, one that wrecked him, made him yeah. cry. And then it, and it led I bet to those the, were, I bet those were tears of fury, though. You know how people get so mad that, you know, they start crying? That and what happened after were really hurt, too, because that led to the uh, trade of John Gruden. That led to the Patriots dynasty. And the Raiders have only won. Oh, wow. The Raiders have only won two playoff games since then. And both of those playoff wins came the next season. Mm. And then they got blitzed in the Super Bowl, and they have not won a playoff game since. They haven't. They haven't. Uh, I've had several listeners text in to say that Steve Smith being traded is what ruined them. Like, that was the thing that crushed them as sports fans. Steve Smith being let go. I actually defended that move. Oh, did you now? Yeah. I was the only guy in my school defending the move, saying, yeah, you know, he's getting older. I think he should be traded. You know, maybe, you know, can, make can the leader of the team. Get yourself a wide receiver. Get yourself some more depth. Yeah. I was the one. Seven, 704-570-9610. Uh, talking about the moments that absolutely destroyed you in sports. Here's one of them. For some people, anyway. Uh, Cam Newton. Yesterday. We played this twice already. This happened yesterday, though. And Panthers fans, I want to know what your your thoughts are on this, too. I heard this for the first time this morning listening to uh, the Mac and Bone radio program here on WFNZ. Cam Newton was on his podcast yesterday, and he said, I should have jumped on that fumble in the Super Bowl. It ain't no excuse for me not jumping on the fumble. I should have jumped. Okay. So I'm not even going to give you something because that will be the take that somebody I should have jumped on the fumble. Okay. Straight up. There's no it, the competitor in me. If that happens again, duh. You know what I'm saying? And the this is the Super Bowl. Facts. All effort goes to like, yo, Super Bowl energy. That wasn't Super Bowl energy. And I think that is what hurts the most. It's like, yo, you don't get an opportunity to go back. It's not promised for you to go back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because the next year, that's when the shoulder injury happened. And oh, the yeah. year following that, that's when the foot injury happened. So you don't necessarily know when it's going to be your time when it's again. Gonna be your time. Like, that was your time to seize the moment. Carpe diem, the words that I live by. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't. So, you know, looking back at it, you will never have an opportunity again. Cam just said I should have jumped on the fumble. Um, I, 
don't. The thing is, Miguel from Charlotte just said Cam's first line's absolutely correct. He's late, though. He says he he doesn't give a why he didn't jump on it. And then I think he said right there, you know, the why people would never. I think, what did he say? The people would never let him hear the end of it or they'd always use it against him. But the thing is, do we think that a guy who was so willing to get into literal car crashes and goal line situations, short yardage situations, a guy who played days after flipping his truck on 77 or 277, I mean, certainly he wasn't afraid of the contact, right? No, in fact, the play that started his shoulder uh, problems was trying to make a tackle on a play that didn't even count. Thanks, Kelvin. It's it's just it's fascinating to because of all the years that I've been in this seat talking to Panthers fans, Carolina sports fans who experienced that and are scarred by that forever. It comes up all the time. The anti-cam crowd certainly throws it back in his face. You know, others will just reference it. We know it's one of the most uh, pivotal and unfortunate moments in Carolina sports history. Cam just came out randomly on February 4th, on Valentine's Day, 2024. I was like, you know what, y'all I probably should have jumped on that fumble. Like nine years later. It's crazy. It's crazy. 704-570-9610. Uh, Texter's writing in. Jack says, tell Cam to get Michael Orr and Rimmers to talk about the fumble. Uh, biscuits and gravy dancing. We all been saying that. <clears throat> Come on. By the way, thank Michael Orr is uh, tied up in some other stuff right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kyle left. He said, did you just say program like McAfee? Like McAfee? The yen- Did I say program like McAfee? Yeah. McAfee borrowed that from the whole South. You ever met a Southern football coach? They all say program. Name me one that doesn't. I also thought that was more of a Yenzer thing. No. no. What do you mean a Yenzer program? No, I, That's a Southern thing. What I've do you heard mean? a schedule, like a old high school coach, uh, Coach Manus, rest in peace, said, you got to get your schedule. I listened to Frank Beamer for 30 years, and he never said the word any other way than program. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Not once. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Dabo says program. Saban says pro. They all do it. That's, if you, that's the mark. It's one of those subtle marks of a real Southern college football program. Does your coach call it program? If he does, you got a real so one. Does that make West Virginia to South since that's where he played? I don't know. Fair enough. He splits his – I don't know. We, we'll have that debate in a minute. Uh, Will B has a sports moment that ruined him. What's up, Will? How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for taking my call, man. First time calling, man. I love the show. Thank you, bud. But um, the reason that I'm calling about about your segment that you got going on, man, uh, first of all, I love, I'm, a, I'm a huge Cowboys fan. You know, I know that's not popular in this area to some people. But anyway, uh, I love what Emmett Smith said about the Cowboys. It's so on point as far as living off the past glory and, and, and getting all this, you know, all of these perks uh, uh, that they get basically off the past toy, but uh, the reason I'm calling, man, because the moment that, that kind of ruined me, although I'm still a heavy Cowboy fan, uh, back in the 90s, you know, it's been rough on us uh, since that time, but uh, when after winning back-to-back Super Bowls, uh, I don't know, maybe this was said already, I'm just tuning in, uh, but Jerry Jones allowed Jimmy Johnson to walk oh, yeah. and then brought in his rivalry uh, from college uh, and uh, I mean, it was just crazy, but at that time, I thought Dallas could have built a real uh, dynasty, but when that happened, I was just like, what the hell, excuse my language, what is going on? <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, that's all I had, man. I take it off the air. Hey, well, you, you're, you're a Cowboys fan, but you're pretty, you're, you seem like a nice guy. You call me anytime. 704-570-9610. Somebody said, get this Cowboys guy off the phone line. Heat fan says, nobody cares. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> 
do Cowboys fans take immediate heat? Did Cowboy Sean, who's like the nicest guy ever, as soon as I say Cowboy Sean on the phone line, within a millisecond, it's like, get this jackass off the lines. By the way, it's Cowboys fans sharing misery. That's actually kind of fun. I know. Mikey's up next on the phone lines. Mikey, what's up, brother? How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How about yourself, Kyle? I'm good, man. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say I'm a fan of the show. Thank you, uh, man. Real quick. Second of all, uh, I just wanted to say the uh, Dez Bryant catch, when they said it was a catch and it wasn't a catch, oh. and I'm going to just leave it at that. That's a good Thank call. You. Thank you, Mike. That's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 704-570-9610. Keep hitting us up. Freddie Ray's up next. Let's just take some calls real quick. Freddie Ray, how you been? Hey, you know me, man. I woke up, man. How you? I'm good. Hey, so I called in. I texted you the other day when y'all were kind of talking about this, too. When you were talking about, you know, the things of sports you never really got over. And uh, That 2015-2016 season just, sports totally just ruined me. You know, you know I'm a Mets fan. So, like, that was the year... Yeah, that was the year we went to the World Series and lost. Then uh, there was the Super Bowl 50. You know, that happened. And then the, I, I made it through all of that, but the, the backbreaker was Carolina lost in 2016, the Villanova, and that damn Chris Jenkins, who was on my rational sports hate list forever. Because it's like, I think people forgot, like, you know, that 2016 Carolina team, you know, when Marcus Page wasn't really pay, playing like he had been playing and he had been struggling and he the shot that he made to tie up that national championship game was like it was incredible yeah. you know and then it's like as soon as that happened that damn Chris Jenkins man like uh yeah that that one that one hurt right there for me yo that was rough yo <laughs> You like got I, you got to go through that and a lifetime of being a Mets fan. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I blame my dad, but you know it is what it is. We all blame our dads for our sports allegiances. Most of us do anyway. Thank you for Eddie Ray. Appreciate you, brother. Hope you're well. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Burnett is up next. Burnett sounds like a first time caller. I'm excited. How are you? I'm good, man. Hey, the Hornets have won three games in a row. Season's over. But what do you want to see from Lamelo when he gets back? And what's your hope for, I guess, probably next season? I, well, you know, it's funny. We, we, yes, I appreciate it. We called it. We talked about this earlier. I want to see him fold in, play efficient basketball, and maximize the talents of those around him. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. I, I have defended him against the Brandon Millers, the centerpiece now, trade LaMelo crowd. They're out there. They're not a majority, but they're out there. I respect them, and I respect their frustrations, some of their frustrations with LaMelo over the last several months. But I, th- I personally believe that it's insane to be talking about trading LaMelo Ball. First of all, the trade deadline's over. They can't. But I, before that, I felt the same way. I think it's insane to be talking about trading LaMelo Ball at 22 years old. It's crazy. Uh, back to the phone. Uh, also that. One more answer on that. LaMelo's going to be in the spotlight, under the spotlight, as he should be when he comes back. They have refocused, reorganized this roster to bring in more maturity, more experience, and veteran role players around what they perceive to be their core. And the guys who are seemingly part of the core moving forward, Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges, because he's still here, they're thriving because of it right now. I don't know when we get Mark Williams back, if anytime soon, but when LaMelo gets back out there, I want to see productive, efficient basketball that folds into what they're already doing. You know what? Have you noticed that the foul numbers have gone down too since the new guys got here? I don't want to see any more of that lazy-ass reaching from LaMelo Ball. 
He has defensive ability. He's long. He's got good instincts and jumping into passing lanes and being disruptive. I don't want to see any more lazy defense from LaMelo when he's on ball, especially. That That's the thing. I, I, I have a great deal of faith in LaMelo's talent, but he's got to show some more leadership and maturity. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Michael's up next on the phone lines. Michael, how are you? Doing well, sir. How are you? Doing well. Good. Uh, I'm a big Hornets fan, always have been. Uh, so my two heartbreaker moments, I don't remember how old I was, but it was the deepest the Hornets ever went in the playoffs. We lost in the series of uh, Game 7 against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that was Baron Davis, Jamal Mashburn, David Wesley, those classic teams. I'll never forget that series. It was back and forth. I felt like we were the better team, and we would have went on to play the 76ers and Allen Iverson in the next round, but we couldn't get it done. So that was the first one. And then, of course, more recently, uh, game six at home against the Miami Heat with purple shirt guy and Dwayne Wade breaking our hearts. So those will be my two moments that uh, I don't think I've ever gotten over. Michael, well done. Appreciate the phone call, buddy. 704-570-9610. Keep hitting us up. We'll come back. We'll squeeze in a phone call or two. We wrap up this here radio program. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Join Weston Walker on Friday where we will have an NBA All-Star style draft on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. On the FanDuel text line, we are currently being screamed at by one individual, BG, in all capital letters, says, and I quote, why the hell would you talk about Purple Shirt Guy? We've been jinxed ever since. First rule of Purple Shirt Guy is that you don't talk about Purple Shirt Guy. The last time he was mentioned, it was Mac, and the next day, the Miles thing happened. Damn it, man. <laughs> so, if Smoke, you're on the hook for this. You're on the hook for this. I didn't mention him. Oh, wasn't you? It wasn't no. me. I figured it was you. It was I know caller. I, I was oh, worried. I I'm was sorry. Worried. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Ray, I'm sorry. I was. I forgot Freddie Ray was a Tar Heel fan because what he mentioned in the next thing in 2016, I'm like, oh, crap, he's going to mention Purple Shirt Guy. 
Um, but he didn't. He mentioned the Tar Heels, which honestly was a great night for me. That's true. The great and powerful Colin Hoggard has checked in on the FanDuel text line. Um, he says the underrated one from the crash in Bobcats days, having to watch Jameer Nelson put up a career-high 32 twice in the playoffs on Raymond and company in the 2010 playoffs. Jameer wow. Nelson was really frustrating if he, were, if, if, if he was on the opposing team. And that I think guys like that brought up the whole Bobcat slash Hornets killers because it's never, rarely ever the main guy that kills you that plays the Hornets. It's always the other guy or a guy you've never heard of. Like, for example, Chris Bosh would have his best games most of the time playing the Bobcats and would be the one that did them in, not LeBron or D-Wade until, you know, but D-Wade was D-Wade, unfortunately. Like, there's so many. Tobias Harris, for all these years, has been a Hornet killer. Bertons, of all people, was a Hornet killer. Hmm. Let's squeeze in a couple of phone calls before the show's up. Mel from Charlotte is up next. Mel, how are you? I'm good, KB. How are you? I'm good, man. All right. Um, sports despair. Um, does not getting the coach that you want, not getting the quarterback that you want, and being the butt of every NFL-related joke, is that too soon? Come on, man. Yeah, it's too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Come on. We're trying, to, we're trying to enjoy a three-game winning streak around here. <laughs> uh, all right, so I do have one from my high school. Um, so I um, I went to South Mac and graduated in 08. Uh, I transferred a lot, so I didn't get to like play football, but I went to every football game. And uh, my senior year, we make the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. And we are literally – I'm part of the super fan group. We're literally getting ready to get on the bus to go to Central Cabarrus High School. And they tell us that we have to forfeit the entire season and our playoff game because we had an ineligible player. We were devastated. We were on the news crying. <laughs> High school kids. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's terrible. Like, I know it's an, it was an awful moment for you, but I'm sorry. The image of that is absolutely hilarious. Thank you, Mel. I appreciate the phone call. Mine's not that bad, but I'll, I'll never forget smoke my junior year. We, my high school football team starts 2-0, and right? We win the second game of the year. I throw a crucial block to set up a 70-yard touchdown run. We win the game. Now, mind you, our program had been kind of bad the few, the several years prior to that. So we're 2-0. and On the bus ride home, the whole bus, the whole team is chanting the coach's name and state championship. We proceed to lose the next eight in a row. Oh, the rest of the season. So. That's like that's like my senior year. We 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 were five and two, and literally had people telling us like, "Yeah, you guys are going to break the playoff drought and at North Lincoln." It was great. We're going to lose the last four. We games. were bad, but for for two weeks, we thought we were state championship material. Um, Justin is up next on the phone lines. Justin, how are you? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm doing good. So I, I definitely want to talk about the sports moment that hurt me. I was a kid when this happened. Seeing. The Miami Hurricanes lose to Ohio State on that pass on that late pass interference call. Oh. Was a tough day. That was a tough day. I, I know Chris Gamble played for the Panthers. That that's a Panther great, but that day he hurt me. That day he hurt me. Love it. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate the phone call, man. I don't like either one of those programs, but uh, that was crushing. Absolutely crushing. Hey, Jersey Frank gets the last call of the day. Frank, it's all on you, buddy. What's going on? Hey, guys, good afternoon. Hey, there was two games in my 57 years of my life that have killed me, and they both have to do with the same damn football team. First one is we decided to kick the damn football out of bounds. When we had the da down, we would have never lost to the damn Patriots. And then 
our glorious quarterback, which we're still hearing about today, decides not to drop jump on a damn fumble. Still talking about it today. Every time you hear it, see it, no matter what happens, I get sick, I get upset, I start throwing shit. Excuse my French. Um, <laughs> I got to dump hard. you now. I got to dump you, Frank. All right, well, if you were on the stream, you, you enjoyed that. If you were on the stream, you, you enjoyed the way that – that's the way you end this show. It's why I love this show. It's why I will never stop doing this show. Y'all are going to put up with me at 91 years old doing this show because I will never, ever quit this show. That And that call is the reason why. <laughs> oh, Jersey Frank. We're done. We're out of here. I appreciate everybody. What a, what a walk-off. What a walk-off. We're back tomorrow to wrap up the week. Until then, for Smoke Ludwig, I'm Kyle Bailey. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You're going to be dead in 100 years anyway. Live dangerously.